From the heartland of America, focused on God, family, and country, the mouthpiece of the Midwest, this is Dale Carter's America. Recording our episode of uh, the podcast today on 9-11, the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on our country, wearing my Freedom t-shirt. We have special guest Daryl Worley, who's going to be joining us here in just a little bit. Daryl had the, the big hit single right after 9-11 called Have You Forgotten, because many of us immediately forgot because we have the attention span of a gnat. Um, and we were at each other's throats already, and now 20 years later, it's gotten a lot worse, and so Daryl has updated that song, and we're going to talk to uh, Daryl Worley about that. We thank Bob Watson for being one of our premier sponsors here on Dale Carter's America. He's got surprisingly great rates at State Farm, and in fact, we're going to have a little fun with Bob's company, State Farm. They've got the best TV commercials, but it all comes down to who your agent is. And if you want the best agent around, that's going to be Bob Watson. He's been serving Eastern Jackson County for five decades from his office at 7th and Main in Blue Springs. 816-229-7878, Auto Home Life. Get a quote, surprisingly great rates, and an incredible staff ready to help you when things get really bad. And that's when you need your insurance agent the most. Bob has been my insurance agent for nearly 30 years. I've been with State Farm since I had insurance for the first time when I was 16, when I had car insurance. Uh, so State Farm's always been a great company for me, and Bob Watson is the best agent I have ever had. Make him your agent as well. So a quick update for you on the whole Truman County, Jackson County thing. Um, I had a meeting with some folks. Jeff Coleman is involved in it. We've expanded our group here a little bit. But I got to tell you, Kurt, this is one of the most complicated things I have ever been involved in. It's it's not as simple as we're pissed off and we want to go. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, almost like, and I've been divorced twice. This is like a complicated divorce if we do this. Yeah, it's like a divorce, but with the government and thousands of bureaucrats. So Yeah. And you know luck. one of the things that was brought to my attention was debt. You know, there's debt for this county. Who gets that on yeah. the way out? Um, so there are a lot of complications to this thing. I think the next step for us and the audience of Dale Carter's America is to have an event at Funhouse Pizza because Jim Dingman wants to be involved. Let's pick a date in October. You and I will talk about that, Kurt, and we'll figure out what the best date for that is uh, and get Jim involved in it. And we'll have kind of a public hearing of our own. We'll invite some folks from the Jackson County Legislature to talk about it, to talk about the issues, especially with the assessments going on and all the things that we in Eastern Jackson County are pissed about. Now, I know that Dale Carter's America is an international podcast. We're all over the world, right? In every way that you can get Of us. course, from here to Dubai. But for me, this is important because this is my backyard. Uh, and I really don't want to move to Cass County, but I'm thinking I might have to. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. We'll, we'll, and if you're really fired up about it as we are, come to the event. We'll talk to you, get your concerns, and um, then we'll take the next steps. Because the next steps are not, okay, let's lay it all out. The next steps are a declaration of independence. Again, if you go back to the Revolutionary War, you know, we went to King George with a sheet of paper that said, we're pissed and we're leaving. Right. We didn't have a blueprint of what that was going to look like. We just said, we're leaving. Um, and it may come to that. And there may be a vote along those lines. And if that happens, then we sit down with lawyers. And it's like, you get that, we get that. Um and we'll see where it goes from there. But, th but that's kind of where we are, and I wanted to update everybody that there are still meetings going on. We're talking about it, but it makes my brain hurt when I sit down with these people. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So that's where we are on it. And uh, look at October, probably a Tuesday night in October. I'm thinking like the 10th or the 17th. We'll get back with you on that. But we want you there. you know. And we'll do some other stuff on the podcast as well. It'll be a fun event, uh, but we'll have some uh, questions answered for you there. So without... Further ado, let's get to our special guest. He is recording artist, songwriter, dear friend of mine, and KFKF, Daryl Worley. As we record uh, this week's episode of Dale Carter's America, the podcast, it happens to be 9-11, which is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on our country. Very special guest, Daryl Worley, is joining us here on the podcast. And the biggest hit single that you had in your career, Daryl, was Have You Forgotten? And it came out 
what, a couple of years after 9-11 when we were, at, we were at war. Yep. And already it had started. We had gone from that time where Republicans and Democrats, people of all races, were linked in arms on the, on the Capitol steps in Washington, D.C., and the sniping began. It's like, well, what are we doing that for? What are we doing that for? And then you came out with that terrific song that reminded us all. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful time of, of unity. And, you know, I, God forbid that we have to go through something like that, you know, to, to be unified as a nation and, and be proud of our red, white and blue and and our patriotic uh, ways. And, and uh, so, you know, that's kind of that, that you look at things today, 20 years later, and uh, it's like, wow, you know, it's. We're just in a really strange place, I think, in our nation. You know, um, when I was born in in the 1960s, we were about 20 years away from Pearl Harbor. And folks started to forget what that was all about. And that's really where we are now, if you think about it, because 9-11, I mean, a guy like Kurt, who's who's helping me with the podcast, I mean, I think he was in diapers back then. (laughs) I uh, I was in fourth grade. Okay, so he was in diapers back then. Hey, hey, all right. So, so they, they clearly, it doesn't mean to them what it meant to us. No. And I don't think that, that they have ever experienced what I was talking about when I talked about, you know, the unity that we saw in our nation on nine twelve, and which is very sad to me. And, and I have a 15 year old daughter that, 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 you know, doesn't have a clue about any of this, this, all this, uh, division and this bickering and, and just the, <laughs> it's just drama, man. And I think I really believe that the American people have become addicted to that. It's their new entertainment. And, you know, I, I don't know what you do. I, I really don't. I truly don't. Un- I, I mean, I, I do believe the old, uh, you know, adage, the old phrase, uh, united we stand. And, uh, and you know, the rest of that. So sure. uh, it's very scary to me. Well, 20 years after the success of Have You Forgotten, you now have a single out called Have We Forgotten, and it's kind of that reminder. It's like, really, what's going on here? And and I look at media, and, you know, there are some people out there on the other side who think we're part of the problem. I don't think that we are because we're trying to expose things and have a dialogue with what's going on in our country. But uh, to your point, you've got MSNBC and Fox News and CNN and they're just trying to stir the pot. Constant. It's it never ends, and um, you know. So it's so funny that you would say what you just said. Uh, when and I, my co-writer for the new song, and you know, it's it's not completely new. It's pretty much the same melody and same phrasing, and uh, just a remake, if you will, uh, with a brand new lyric that's totally different, and it's it's a completely different message. Uh, but we had those discussions during. Uh, the writing of the song and, and part of the, you know, we questioned one another. We did a lot of really intense self-examination and, you know, I told him, I said, I think that we sort of have almost an obligation to do this. I said, if it's terrible, we'll throw it in the garbage can and nobody will ever even know that we attempted it. But I said, you know, it won't be because you got two guys that feel pretty strongly about their convictions and where we stand on things. But man, upon looking at ourselves, we we both said, you know, I've probably done my share to be part of the problem. And uh, when I say that, I, I don't think that I've intentionally uh, tried to stir it up. But I know that I'm very uh, hard edge on things. And sometimes I probably could listen a little more with different ears than I do. Uh, maybe I'm sometimes too quick to start talking and speaking and maybe I should listen more and and you know give the other guy on the other side a chance to explain himself because I have been in some discussions with some very very sharp people uh, who have made me go you know take a look at some things and I'm like wow this actually sits a little differently than what I thought so with all that being said you know we said wouldn't it be cool though to do this and do it with the right heart and and 
and hopefully it could just make a difference. Yeah. When you talk about that period of self-examination, is there anything that comes to the surface there of something that maybe you thought one way and then you heard somebody else's point of view and it kind of flipped the script for you? <laughs> well, um, you know, what first came to my mind when you said that was a whole lot of things that happened just the opposite. <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> you know, there, there have there have been a few things. I, I really, uh, if I was going to single out something, um, I'm still looking for it in, in my own case because I think I'm right, and I'll tell you why I think I'm right in a minute here. But you know, if you've got something that jumps out there at you, I think I think what I said before. Uh, there's not for for me. There's not a real issue that sticks out in my head where. I would say, oh, I was totally wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, because to be perfectly honest with you, I, I'm not one to. Um, I mean, I probably do sometimes, but I'm not one to 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 get into debates about things that I don't feel like I know anything about. Mm -hmm. So if I feel strongly about you know my my research and what I've done and 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 what I'm up on, yeah, I'll I'll lay in there pretty good, you know, and I'll 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 hook it up. But uh, uh, so when I when I feel like I don't know enough to be in this discussion. I usually just say that and, and, and bow out. So. Yeah. Well, where I start with this podcast is we have a, a constitution, the United States constitution, which I think is, is a damn near perfect document. I mean, it sets up the government, it sets up checks and balances, what the yes. government can do, what it can't do. You know, as Barack right. Obama called the bill of rights, the bill of negative rights, what, you know, what the government can't do to you. Right. And right. All the answers to me are within that document. And I agree 100%. So when we have a question about something, I go to the document. It's like, does the federal government belong in this? And, and I think what the other side is, and, and we have invited people who don't agree with us to come on this podcast over <laughs> and over again. And, you know, we get the same response. It's like, eh, nobody wants to hear from me. I want to hear from you, you know, and, and it would be a civil debate. And if any of you are watching the podcast now with Daryl Worley, uh, you have an open invitation and we can pick one issue and we can talk about it, get your perspective, my perspective. I'll put it up against the Constitution and, and we'll see who wins. But, you know, the other side is just like trying to grow, 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 grow the federal government. Our founders would not recognize this country today. Well, you know, and I hate to even get on. I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but just recently, my daughter was at home, and she had two um, two young ladies there with her visiting, and and uh, I asked them. My daughter is an incredible shooter, and we hunt together, and it's uh, and it's one of the, my favorite things that I've ever done in my life is to go out hunting with my daughter. I mean, she just. Uh, you know, I, when she was born, I thought, oh, man, I, I didn't get me a boy that would hunt with me. And, it's, and she loves it more than most guys. Wow. So we just have a blast. But we got into this discussion, uh, you know, about uh, the right to keep and bear arms. Well, the Constitution couldn't be more clear about that. And they were they were dumbfounded to, to hear me say that, no, no, wait a minute. Don't don't misunderstand this. It's not all about protecting our families from bad people or whatever i said it is about that but i said it was also put in 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 the constitution as as a system of checks and balances so that we could be armed to protect ourselves from our own government i said that's very real and you need to realize that you know and i said because the people that put together our constitution realized that a government could be grown to the point where it was too strong and and you get the the beginnings of tyranny and weird things like that. I said, which is the exact reason why we escaped across the ocean to get away from that crap. So, and they were just blown away by that. Yeah. And I said, well, absolutely. And I said, I'm, I'm actually very sorry that I, I did talk to my daughter about that several years ago, but she probably, you know, may not have grasped it, but they do now. Yeah. And, and, I think that's important. I don't know if you saw the news on this, but the governor of New Mexico basically suspended the Second Amendment, saying it's not absolute. And, uh, you know, for now, we're just going to say, you know, you can't openly carry in New Mexico, which is part of the Second Amendment. And and she even said, we know that this won't fix crime because criminals don't follow the law. So what the hell is the point? <laughs> Boy, but isn't there a lot of that going on? Yeah. I mean, that's that's just one thing. <laughs> but I just came from out there. I was up on top of a big mountain playing for some folks, and 
trust me, they were talking about it, and they were people. I think that probably have, uh, you know, they're they're a little, they lean a little like me and you do, and and it was uh, it was a good time. But boy, those guys were really distraught, and I don't blame them. Yeah, I mean, who who has the right to to do that? Yeah, if. If they have the right to do that, what's it even there for? Exactly, and that's what I say. It's like it's it's probably in the Constitution because the framers were so forward-thinking that they really thought of anything. And if you want to change it, the the process to change it is within the Constitution. Absolutely, and it's amazing to me how. And I'm. It's not to say that people haven't always been brilliant, but it's amazing to me how that long ago, uh, how bright these people had to be, and how they how the time that they took. And those people didn't all think the same. Not at all. They, 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 they thought very differently about things, and that's how this came to be. And that's why it's so incredibly, it's done well. And, and for us to have made it all these years, uh, to become the strongest nation in the world, and then to try to destroy that and pull away from it and chop it up into pieces and ignore it is the stupidest thing that anybody could ever do. It's like... You've got so many examples from history of nations that have done incredibly stupid things, and we can go see that stuff and read about it, and we're headed right down the same road. Yeah. You know, when when I hear the other side talk about things like, eh, why do we need a United States Senate? And even if we did, why does it have to be 60 votes? You know, a Supreme Court, nine justices, well, that's not fair because you've got six of them right now, maybe seven. Uh, so we need to have more, and we need to have one liberal for every conservative because it's just not fair the way it is. Again, the Constitution <laughs> sets it all out, and they just want to, like, wad it up and throw it in the trash. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, you know what? Back to that song... Um, I have been appalled at how indifferent people truly have, you know, I mean, when and I had this, we had this idea that this song would be an incredible litmus test, you know, to, to sort of check the pH of, of the landscape of our nation. And boy, did, did I get the answer, you know, that, that I guess I was out there looking for. It wasn't the one I wanted to get, right. but I mean, people, um, they just don't care. Uh, they, they, they're so, you know, I, it, it takes me back to my daughter because, you know, she's 15 years old and addicted to the cell phone. And so when I want to get anything out of her, I just have to take that away. And, and it's like, okay, right there's part of the problem mm. that we, we carry that device around with us everywhere we go. And it's constantly pumping us full of this, uh, you know, I, it's, it's difficult for me to think about, I go, okay, so really that's where we are. We're just at a we're in a stalemate. We're going to like bicker and, and yeah. be at each other's throats because it's drama and it's entertaining. It's so tribal too. I mean, it's like you've got half the country that says they're going to vote for Biden, half the country says they're going to vote for Trump. Most of the country says they don't want that matchup again. But that's you know where we are right now. And I I would challenge people to kind of look at where you are. What are you paying for gas? What are you paying for groceries right now? And all of the self inflicted wounds that have happened in the last two and a half three years. Absolutely, man. And I, I was talking to some people last night and I, I knew I, obviously they, you know, they, they think differently than I do. And I said, I said, let's just use our brain for a minute. Let's, let's take it to a real simple kind of a uh, level here and, and say this. What about the very simple things that like going to the gas pumps? Uh, these are all things that, that I'm talking about are all things that affect us in a very direct way, affects the way we live our lives, how we, uh, you know, <laughs> like we live so far out of town, we don't have anybody to carpool with. So we have to drive our child into school every day and then pick her up. And I told my wife, I said, boy, this was a lot easier a few years back when gas wasn't twice as expensive. And yeah. to me, man, that's 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 how simple it is. I mean, to me, and I know people would say, yeah, but. But we need to be sure that we do it. Look, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't have a problem with a guy in a leadership position that may do things a little bit differently if it's good for the country. Yeah, exactly. I have a with that. Exactly. We can go back through history. We could come up with examples of that. Yes, many examples. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, to me, a lot of this is a no-brainer. And, and I got to be honest with you, if the tables were turned and it was going great, 
I would shut my mouth and just say, man, don't rock the apple cart. This is wonderful. <laughs> but it ain't that way. It ain't that way. And they say country <laughs> music, Daryl Worley, is three chords in the truth. And you've given us a lot of truth. <laughs> That's what they say. Have We Forgotten is the title of the song. And we did play it this morning on KFKF, part of the 9-11 oh, okay. uh, marking. Yeah. Um, just again, to, to, uh, put a point on that, that, uh, we, at nine twelve we were all locked arms and, and, um, the, the, the faces running away from uh, lower Manhattan with the dust on it. You couldn't tell the race of any of those people. We were Americans. Yeah. We were under attack and, um, nine twelve was probably the biggest day of unity I've ever seen. Me too in my lifetime. And I, you know, it's that, it's that sickening feeling in my gut that makes me say, does that. Does something that insane have to happen before we can do that? I, I don't even want to think about it yeah. because, uh, man, you know, I'm thankful that my child was not old enough or, or, or wasn't even around to know about that or to feel what we felt because even as an adult that, you know, uh, had had plenty of time to get to my family and 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 it was just insanity. I mean, it was chaos and it was, but the, the next day was a, a moment in history that I will never forget. I will, I will always remember how this nation kind of, it's all, it's like uh, going back to the Bible about marriage. We became one and it was a beautiful thing, man. And I, it's like you said, there, nobody cared what color you were, or where you came from. If you were American, you were American and we'd all been affected by it. So it was, uh, and you know, that's kind of, that's kind of why I went and I thought, man, if this song hits 2,000 people and it, and it makes them think about this and, and there's there's some change that comes about because of it, then it's worthwhile. Yeah. So. Well, if 9-12 was the day we all got married, I think in 2023 is the day we're headed for divorce court. <laughs> it kind of feels that way. Hey, Daryl, it's always great to catch up with you, my friend. Please come back to Kansas City and see us. Oh, man, I'd love to do that. All right, we'd love to have you back here. Have We Forgotten, that is the uh, song from Daryl Worley, which definitely brings a point about where we are uh, 22 years later after 9-11. I appreciate you spending the time with us on Dale Carter's America, the podcast. It's easy, man, when you when you got somebody cool like you to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. Near and dear to Daryl Worley's heart and my heart as well, and especially as we record on 9-11, our veterans. And we have a special event coming up this Friday night. Now, this is not a podcast-specific event, but I am going to be there hosting it. It is Friday night at the DAV Ballroom, the Disabled American Veterans, at um, it's uh, 14605 East US 40 Highway. So if you think about that in terms of a map, that's going to be on 40 Highway between Nolan Road and Lee's Summit Road. Uh, good friend Travis Marvin is going to be singing at this event. It is presented by one of our sponsors, MedicareSimplifiedKC.com. MedicareSimplifiedKC.com. Um, so it's free. It's, it's certainly free to veterans. It's free to those who love veterans and want to shake their hand, thank them for what they did. Because if you think about this, you know, we've wrapped up Afghanistan as god-awful a job as the president did wrapping that thing up. But that thing is wrapped up. I don't think the war on terror will ever be wrapped up. I think we always have to have an antenna up. But uh, the soldiers are back. And now we need to go up to them. Uh, shake their hand, pat them on the back, and say thank you for a job well done. And this is one of those events where you can do that. It is Friday night at 7 o'clock, DAV Ballroom on 40 Highway between Nolan Road and Lee Summit Road. Travis Marvin will be on stage. Uh, we're going to give away a car to a veteran through the Cars for Heroes program. Um, there's going to be food available. They've got uh, cash bars available, and uh, it's just going to be a good time. And, and uh, Travis Marvin has his own following here in the Kansas City area, and I know that they will be there. And at some point, if you would like, if you are 65 or approaching 65, Kirk Doris and his staff would love to talk to you about your options with Medicare. We're all going to have to deal with it, and because it's from the government, it's really simple to understand, right? No. Which is why you need a guy like Kirk Doris and Medicare Simplified KC.com. They're at 3600 South Nolan Road. You can call them at 816 701 6661. 
Um, and they would love to talk to you. They'll walk you through the maze that you're going to face if you are approaching 65. And there are gaps in Medicare. They'll show you how to fill those gaps in Medicare the best way possible. No cost to you for this service. In fact, if you can't be at our event Friday night, Kirk and his team will come to your house and explain it to you. Lots of folks have done this, and they understand that they're approaching a maze that is hard to understand. Kirk will simplify it for you with MedicareSimplifiedKC.com. How big is the mess? Let's get into the mess. Should we go to the ice cream parlor oh, yeah. with Joey B? You got to fill some time here. Secret agent Joey B. Because, you know, what is his name? Is it Joe Biden? Is it Robert L. Peters? Is it Robin Ware? Is it JRB Ware? What the hell? I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's using fake names while he's the vice president of the United States. This old grandpa that we've got who just loves to come down to the East Room because he heard there was ice cream available. My name is Joe Biden. Oh, there he is. Premature, Joe. Premature. (laughs) My name is Joe Biden. I love ice cream. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> Can Joe Biden eat ice cream? Well, some people think that's all I do is eat ice cream. Chocolate, chocolate chip. You've been with your mother. I can smell ice cream. <laughs> so I don't know if we talked about this last time or not because we took a week off. Um, but 5,000-plus emails confirmed by the National Archives under pseudonyms Robin Ware, Robert L. Peters, and again, my favorite, J.R.B. Ware. I mean, where's the investigation on this? Can, just for a second, in a dreamlike world, imagine that 5,000-plus emails emerge where you know Donald Trump's using a fake name. And you know you've got all these extensions through his son and all that. Doesn't that warrant at least a question? Well, I want to get ahead of this, too, because other people have pointed out that other presidents have used pseudonyms. So apparently, like, Mitt Romney had a second Twitter account under a fake name or something like that. Obama had a pseudonym that he used to write letters to people and things like that. But this is a totally different thing. Other presidents have used pseudonyms. That's true. You know, they've used it in private communication. They've used it, you know, because they want to have another social media profile or they want to write an article for some magazine and they don't want their name to be attached to it. That's a little shady in itself, but that's not illegal. That's not really a huge problem. But here's the thing. Before you keep going on this, nobody's even asking him the question. It's like, okay, 5,000 plus emails have emerged. Why did you do this? Were you just writing letters to people? Well, th- what that, was the purpose? That's not what's happening because it's communication with Hunter Biden's business partners. It's communication about uh, corrupt business dealings with foreign companies, with foreign nationals. So uh, it brings into question, it's not just the existence of a pseudonym. It's what was the pseudonym used for? Right. It was used for these communications with these corrupt uh, people. And I believe that the purpose of that is to, it's a CYA, obviously, you know, so that when there's a... Uh, a FOIA request or a subpoena, you know, for records of Joe Biden, there's some maybe, I don't know the the exact law around it, but there's some way to weasel around that where it's like, well, that's not under the name Joe Biden. It's under the name Robin Ware or J.R.B. Ware. So then you have to provide a second subpoena for those additional uh, files. That's that's my understanding, at least. Okay, what's the Byron Donald's explanation? Okay, yeah. This, I thought he uh, he did a pretty good job here of kind of explaining the uh, situation here. So let's check that out. These accounts that were set up originally, the core of the tax evasion that Hunter Biden did do to the tunes of millions of dollars, the accounts that were set up were when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. Joe Biden was in business meetings with Hunter's clients. Joe Biden was on the phone. Now we find out that there's 5,400 emails that the National Archives has had this entire time where Joe Biden is using fake names in these emails, fake email accounts, so he can communicate with business partners on the side. All the while, Joe Biden has consistently said he never knew anything about what Hunter was doing. Then they had to change the story to say he never benefited from what Hunter was doing. But there is a text message from Hunter Biden to his daughter saying that at least you don't have to pay half of your salary to me the way I have to do it to my father. This is a joke. It is public corruption. And I believe that when we have these emails, it's going to demonstrate what we all know, which is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden have been in cahoots the entire time. 
Hmm. So and then you've got this. You've got the uh, laptop from Hunter Biden, which has been authenticated. Remember through the whole campaign, it was like, oh, that's Russian uh, interference, right? Yeah. It's misinformation from the Russians and all that. Well, now it's been authenticated. So here's this guy from the Washington Post. Remember the Washington Post? Wood- oh, yeah. Woodward and Bernstein, right? Woodward and Bernstein. They're the guys who brought down Richard Nixon. They did the reporting uh, in the Watergate fiasco that led to Richard Nixon resigning. So this Washington Post columnist, reporter, goes on this podcast, and the podcaster, much like we would do if he came on, said, why aren't you even asking him the question? Maybe that's why liberals don't come on our podcast. (laughs) What do you take from the text message to his adult daughter, uh, Hunter's text message, I have to give 50% of my income to pop? I have no idea what that means. I don't. I have no idea what that means. Well, it's, 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 it's. I know it's circumstantial evidence, and you prefer that. No, what what, what could it I, be? I have no idea. But doesn't it, I don't know. Well, did, I appreciate has, your. Has anybody has anybody known. asked her? I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think somebody should ask her? Okay. Like I, I'm not. I just said I don't know, and I don't know what to make of it. So I have nothing yeah, but, to say you, about it. Yeah, what, but doesn't what do you it, want me to say? Yeah, but you say there's no evidence. No evidence. But then there's a text message where he says, "I give Pop fifty percent of my money." That's that's evidence. Okay. Well, what? Okay. Fine. Fine. So it's evidence. I appreciate you having me on. It doesn't. It, that something like that. Who do you think is being more? I, I listen to that. And I'm saying, am okay, I? Am I? What, okay, you, you can free you, to I go. Think, I feel you want me to leave, like just walk out in the middle of this. <laughs> because that way, you can leave. you can go. Right. Is this a standard? Really, this is the way the Washington Post handles people who disagree yeah, when with I, them. When I agree to be on for 45 minutes, go, go, and then go. I get on for an hour and 15. Yeah, go, that after a while go, I go. Go. Thanks. All right. Me. So Thank he's he's going to get up. He's going to leave. He doesn't want to answer that question. Um, they should really take down all the awards that hang in the hallways at the Washington Post because it has just gone downhill. What an embarrassment, man. You can't even ask the question. <laughs> I mean, I think there are a lot of questions that come out of this, and there may be reasonable answers to it. I doubt it, but there may be reasonable answers. But nobody will even ask him. I mean, it's exactly what you just said. You know, it's it's the questions, asking the questions. You are a reporter. Your job is to re- is to look into the story, ask the questions, find the answer to the questions, and report on them. You're a reporter. For the Washington Post, you know, the one of the most prestigious news organizations in the country, democracy dies in darkness is their, is their uh, tagline. I believe that's still their tagline. But. Yeah. How much hardcore evidence did Woodward and Bernstein have before they pushed forward? I mean, it took a brave editor to basically stand behind them on less than circumstantial uh, evidence, and they went forward with it. Right. Um, well, so, I mean, you could say that that was politically motivated, too, because it was Nixon and they, they didn't like him. You know, he was the opposition at the time. Right. Biden is part of the establishment. Pop- Biden is not the opposition. So you see the disparate treatment that that is there. Yep. If it was Trump, if it was Donald Trump Jr., this guy would be all over it. But because it's it's Hunter Biden, he's like, well, what, what are you talking about? No, uh, I guess that's evidence. But, you know, oh, you want me to leave? You want me to leave? It's like <laughs> you're not even curious. Yeah, Like you you're you're just so clearly yeah. like. Being a bitch and like playing defense for this administration, you have no level of of journalistic integrity whatsoever. It, it's astounding. All right. So Joe Biden on this 9-11 that we're recording this is not in New York. He's not in Washington, D.C. He's not in a field in Pennsylvania. He's in Alaska. I mean, you know, is that where we've gotten, you know, when we, we talked to Daryl Worley and all that, and is that where we are today, that we're so far from 9-11 that it just doesn't matter anymore? Uh, I don't know, man. He was in... Well, Vietnam. Yeah, he, he was in Vietnam. I guess he's in Alaska today, and uh, I'm well, sure Well, maybe that's have, too long a flight, you know, and then yeah. he'd be tired. And, so this is kind of an aside. This isn't in the notes, but uh, are you familiar with those two young kids that are like paid Biden supporters on Twitter? It's like Harry Sisson and then this other guy. No. Well, they, he uh, he came out with this video. Basically, they've been exposed. It's these two like Gen Z guys that are like all about Biden. And then they post a bunch of stuff on Twitter. And he posted this video yesterday that made me laugh. And he was like, Biden is having this incredibly busy schedule. First, he gets on a plane to Vietnam. That's a 17-hour plane ride. Then he gets on a plane to Alaska. That's a 10-hour plane ride. He's so busy. I'm like, he's sitting on a plane. He's sleeping the whole time. But anyways, uh, this uh, I wanted to play this clip from Vietnam because this is something that I think has never happened before in a presidential press conference. Have you seen this? I haven't. Okay. We talked about we talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the uh, excuse me, third world, the uh, the the uh, the southern hemisphere had access to change. It had access 
We, it wasn't confrontational at all. He came up with thank, thank you, everybody. This ends thank, the count press thank, conference. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank oh you. my God, that's that's horrible. Right? And this music is real too. This is not added in post. They have a band there. That's fun. Basically, to keep him from saying anything. That's embarrassing. I mean, so as embarrassing, he's clearly not in control of which we've been saying for forever. They have a staffer that just sees him rambling and they're like, Oh, it's over. Cue the band, cue the music. Let's yeah. get him out of here. I mean, could you imagine like a Donald Trump staffer trying to cut off a press conference oh. when he's in the middle of speaking? He'd yeah. be like, you're fired immediately. Like, get out of here. You know what I mean? I'm still talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and we it's a broken record that I say almost every episode. It's its what you're seeing from Joe Biden today is as good as it's going to get, and it's going downhill rapidly. Um, and it's a big week on his plate. The UAW is threatening to strike. You know what the root cause of this strike is? Detroit's buy-in to Biden's green energy initiatives. You know, we talk about self-inflicted wounds, and this is a big one. Uh, the big three is losing billions of dollars because they've gone all in on this. Guess what? Their workers, including workers uh, in two plants in Kansas City uh, and, and beyond in this country, they want a 46% raise and to be paid for 40 hours for only working 32. Now, math is not my strong suit. We've covered that many times. Tell me how that math works. Well, I do know that 32 is less than 40. I'm good enough at math to know that. That's eight less. So they want to be paid, you know, basically four days worth of work yeah. at a full 40-hour week. And they want a 46% raise over the course of the contract. And I think it breaks down to like 11% a year. I mean, what would make you dance in Westport if you got a certain amount of raise? For me, it's like 5%. If I got a 5% raise... I would definitely dance a jig on Westport Road. You're cheap, man. You're cheap. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to tell the higher ups that you're, uh, you know. Are you kidding me? The <laughs> average raise for most people is 3% or less if yeah. they get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes into a whole thing. And I do kind of want to play at least part of the uh, the video that they put out. Uh, we can, it's kind of a steel man case for, for why they're doing this. They, they did put out this funny tweet, though. You know, you mentioned the, the four day work week. So uh, UAW on Twitter put out this uh, this article, and they say, a four-day work week might not be as unreasonable an ask as it would have been five years ago. A new survey of more than 1,000 U.S. workers found that nearly nine out of 10 U.S. employees are interested in the idea. <laughs> so they, they surveyed people, and they're like, hey, would you like to work one less day a week? And nine out of 10 people were like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to work two days less a week? I bet they get a big number Breaking for that news. as well. Breaking news. All right. Well, Saudi Arabia, this is, again, the self-inflicted wound. They continue to turn the screws on production. Okay. Uh, Biden put us in the position to beg places like Saudi Arabia for more oil. Uh, so look for gas prices to go back over, up over $4 a gallon, even in the Midwest, in the next week. It's, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah, so I mean, it, it seems like they're probably, I'm sure they're doing this on purpose. I mean, here's a picture of Mohammed bin Salman with um, Vladimir Putin. So I mean, they see what's going on with America. They see the control that they have over us in terms of our energy policy, our gas prices, how it affects our local politics and our elections and things like that. So they're going to pull the strings as much as possible. Didn't and, have uh, to be that way. And yeah. you know that because of regulation and just uh, the um, energy producers who use fossil fuels are an enemy to this administration. And, you know, for the straw man argument from the other side, it's, well, all you want is fossil fuels. Nope. Listen carefully. Listen carefully because I know some of you liberal trolls out there listen to every word that we say. I believe in an all in energy policy and let science. Uh, and the market, without the thumb of the government, decide which way forward. And that's a great segue into Ohio Senator J.D. Vance introducing what I love. I love the name of this. The Freedom to Breathe Act. As there are rumblings again about bringing back masks and mandates uh, that's percolating out there. And we've got a, a good back and forth here on this. Go ahead. Heed the message from the American people and let's learn the lessons of the past couple of years. Mandatory masking was a failure. It had costs for very little benefits, and we shouldn't repeat it. 
Mr. President, as of in legislative session, I ask unanimous consent that the Senate proceed to the immediate consideration of S-2738, the Freedom to Breathe Act, which is at desk. Further, that the bill be considered read a third time and passed, and the motion to reconsider be considered made and laid upon the table with no intervening action or debate. Is there objection? Uh, reserving the right to object. Senator from Massachusetts. This bill would undermine the ability of states, of cities, and towns across this country to make decisions about what's best for their communities. It would silence and hamstring public health experts who have guided our nation out of the darkest days of a pandemic that has killed 1,139,000 people in our country in three years. Let me repeat that. This disease has killed 1,139,000 people already. That's just and false. Doctor, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I got to well, just I got to just yeah. pause that because that's just false. I mean, there's been all of these reports, all these studies coming out now and and previously, I mean, for the, the entire time showing that uh, the most recent one was like 95, 99 percent of people that were counted as died from covid died from other causes. They had covid. They died from other causes. They're obese. They have comorbidities. The average number of comorbidities was four. We know that the uh, statistics on hospitalizations and deaths was vastly over-exaggerated so that the hospitals could still make money from, uh, you know, having the COVID patients. My own doctor told me about that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's just BS. Yeah. It's just BS. Well, and look at the young lady sitting behind, Senator Mackey. Uh, Senator Mackey is from Massachusetts. Um, she's sitting by herself, and she's wearing a mask. Yeah. Now, she was sitting with another guy earlier in the clip, but she didn't take her mask off or whatever. And my feeling on this is personal choice. You want to wear a mask? Wear a damn mask. Don't tell me what to do. I'm done with all that. I'm done with mask mandates. We put up a, a nice little graphic on the podcast page on Facebook that showed you exactly what you can do with your mask. Yeah. Okay? Um, and it's, and it's I'm done with it. It, it, I mean, I, I totally agree with that, but it's more it's more than that for me. Like, the, the mask is just, we're, we've been doing it the wrong the whole time. The masks are stupid. And we have plenty of information on that, too, that the cloth masks that people were using were not working. They're actually more detrimental than they were helpful because people reuse the same mask. The, you know, bacteria comes in the sides, through the top, sometimes through the mask. It depends, you know, on what you're wearing. Uh, people reuse the same one. They end up getting more germs than if they weren't even wearing one in the first place. You know, there was a new study that came out. Uh, I wish I had it prepared for the, for the episode, but you can go look it up on your own if you're watching this. A couple weeks ago about the N95 masks and some kind of chemicals that they right. have or something like that. Cause that cancer could, or something, that right? That be detrimental. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just BS. And it's not, to me, I agree that, you know, people should be allowed to do what they want. And, like, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. But I take it one step further in that, like, if you're going to wear a mask by yourself in a car, if you're going to wear a mask by yourself in a room, I'm going to point and laugh at you and call you an idiot. Walking across the street by yourself. <laughs> I've seen plenty of that down here in Westport. Okay, on to uh, Kamala Harris, continuing to lie about abortion. And I kind of give a tip of the headphones here to CBS because some of these media outlets, Kurt, are starting to ask questions. And they ask her on the Sunday show, when exactly um, should the, the upper limit be on abortion? Yeah, this is a surprisingly good moment from CBS. We'll watch. So what... What is it that you believe? I mean, what week of pregnancy should abortion access be cut off? We need to restore the protections of Roe versus Wade. Which We're was, not trying to do something new. Well, that There's, was nebulous because it was about viability, which could be anywhere between 20 to 24 weeks. And but it, so no, 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 no. Let, let's that let, was me, in let me be very clear. the Women's Health Protection Act that let the White be, House also Let me endorsed. be very clear from day one. The president has been clear. I have been clear. We need to put back the protections that are in Roe v. Wade into law. Since the Supreme Court took it, Congress has the power and ability to pass legislation to put those protections back in law, and Joe Biden will sign that bill. Hmm. So, so that is what we want. Again, but does it 
kudos to CBS for pushing the envelope there to ask her. But Roe versus Wade, we've talked about this many times, was a horrible precedent for the Supreme Court to establish. Now, what she says is true is that the federal Congress could do something on this. Right. Um, because that is within the Constitution. They hate the Constitution. They, they love to have the Supreme Court go in and put it in a nebulous Roe versus Wade, which this reporter called her out on. Um, they want to go back to the vague Roe versus Wade. So the question is, and it remains, what's your upper limit, Democrats? Yeah, and she, and you know, we, we're not going to watch the rest of the clip, but the rest of the clip is she just continues to ask the same question like three or four more times. She says, okay, I hear your talking point. What is the limit that we should allow for abortion? Is it, you know, where is viability? Where, where do we draw the line? And Kamala Harris just keeps like, no, I, you are not going to ask me a real question. You're going to accept this talking point. We just want to bring back Roe versus Wade. We just want to bring back Roe versus well, Wade. Well, that's she their keeps, talking point. Yeah, exactly. She yeah. just keeps regurgitating that because she doesn't have an answer because they don't want to talk about viability. They don't want to talk about uh, anything positive about the unborn fetus or baby, whatever you want to call it, because it humanizes uh, that person in the womb, and they don't want to do that. So they're yeah. going to keep it very vague, you know, and they don't want to address the actual problem. I was talking to some conservative friends at a tailgate party over in Columbia before the uh, Mizzou game on Saturday, and we got to talking about abortion. And, and you know, one of the guys goes, well, I, I'm completely against it, completely against it. But if you're going to do it, I mean, you know, when you find out, okay, oops, I screwed up. Go take a pill or something, and if that's what you're going to do, I don't agree with it. If that's what you're going to do, go do it. Who needs an abortion You know, at 20 weeks, at 24 weeks, at 40 weeks? And what they'll tell you is it's, it's less than 1%. Okay, well, then say that. Tell us yeah. the truth about well, this and stop making it a divisive issue. And, you know, uh, here's, here's the thing, too. I mean, I, I hate to make this comparison— because today is 9-11, and, and we're, I'm not comparing events or anything like that, but just purely comparing numbers. I mean, the number of abortions that are uh, that are done in America is in the hundreds of thousands. I, I mean, it's like, I don't know, 800,000, 600,000 a year, something like that. So let's even give you the, the benefit of the doubt, and you say, oh, it's only 1% that are in the third trimester. It's only 1% that are at 38, 40 weeks. That's still like... 6,000 people, 8,000, you know, like human beings that are about to be born right. that you're snuffing out, you know? So I, I, we're not going to talk about that. You can just say, oh, it's 1%. And then we're supposed to say, oh, yeah, it's 1%. No big deal. It's only 6,000 people. It's only 8,000 people. Come on. Yeah. I'll leave you with this on that. Most Americans, 70 plus percent. That's a lot of Democrats. 70 plus percent in a poll think Joe is too old to run again. And if he runs... I think there's still some question on that. And if he wins, odds are she becomes the next president because you only live to be so long. And Joe Biden doesn't seem to be aging well. I'll just put it that way. And then on top of that, you got Nancy Pelosi. She will seek a 20th term in Congress in 2024. A rich woman north of Richmond, change the words a little bit, uh, who wants to make our lives better. This is just a funny clip that I found. Of He's absolutely a magnificent leader. He is... Um, Talking about Joe. Younger than I am, so I don't know what the... <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what the problem is, but... And <laughs> there you go. Nice there you have it, there. folks. <laughs> but, you know, again, and I've made this point on the air many times, it's like we just keep voting for the same damn people over and over again, and the polls out there are they hate they hate Congress... But they love their representative. And we have a little bit of that here. We've got Sam Graves, who's been elected over and over and over again, over 20 years now. You got Emanuel Cleaver. You know, that's a Republican and a Democrat. It's it's not a Republican or Democrat issue. It is definitely a uh, political class issue that that we're gonna have to address or we're just gonna keep going this way. I wonder if Joey B has had his colonoscopy. I mean, you know, you think about how old he is. He's probably had many col I've only had one. He's probably <laughs> yeah. had many, right? Yeah, he's gotta get one like every other month. Man. All right. Well Dr. Mark Terramino will fit him right in there at Midwest GI Health and Wellness, Lee's Summit, eight one six eight three six twenty two hundred. He does recommend that you get that colonoscopy starting at age forty five. It used to be age 
age 50, but now they've moved it down because of all these cancers that keep coming, and colon cancer seems to be striking younger and younger. Caught early, it can be cured. Um, and who knows if the M95 masks are responsible for some of this or any of this. Uh, but he'll do the upper GI, too. He's got both ends uh, trained there for you. Um, and he's got a great staff of folks right there in Lee's Summit. Everything is one-stop shopping. Go to your uh, primary doctor first and tell them you heard us talking about it and know that um, this is a life-saving thing. It's a screening and uh, they can take care of you at Midwest GI Health and Wellness. 816-836-2200. Uh, you'll find them on the web at MidwestGIHealth.com. The roof over Casa del Carter uh, is a royal roof. Royal Roofing and Solar, 816-540-7057. Many of us who are homeowners, in fact, all of us on the Missouri side, I'm not sure if Evergy is on the Kansas side or not, I'm a Missouri guy, so I don't yeah. know. You folks who would know, please let me know. But Evergy sent out a deal. We're going to have to figure out how we want to be charged for electricity and you know which hours of the day are important to us because the rates are going to change depending on the hour. Yeah, we well, have to decide how we want to be charged more for electricity. Exactly. Specifically. And it is going up. Everything is going up. And what they can do for you at Royal Roofing and solar is show you an option where you can turn your own home into its own power plant. Tax credits and grants for small and rural business and ag producers. Uh, get with Austin Watterson and his fantastic team at Royal Roofing and Solar, 816-540-7057. They'll take care of you. Great friends of the program here. And again, the official roof at uh, Casa del Carter. So one of our podcast listeners, Kurt, told me that I should read Ayn Rand. And I'd never read Ayn Rand before. Atlas Shrugged is the book that she is most known for. Um, so I went to the library. I've got a library card, and I use it quite a bit. I read quite a bit. Um, and I got this book, and my God, it's over a 1,000 pages long. <laughs> and it's like single, you know, spaced and all this. And I, I asked the librarian, you know, if it was an easy read, and she said the exact same thing you did. <sighs> What did you call it? I said it's a bit dense. A bit dense yeah. is a great way to uh, characterize it. So I started to read it. I got like through the first chapter, and I'm like, "Good lord, this is like this is like making my brain hurt." Um, and so somebody suggested that I watch the trilogy of movies that I would get the same message. And I did. I, I mean, they were kind of cheesy movies, to be honest with you. The acting wasn't all that great. When were they made? I don't. I don't remember seeing. I don't think I've seen them. Like 2010. 2011, okay. 2012, okay. something so like that. So relatively recently. And it was it was taking her narrative and putting it in current times. Mm -hmm. So not in the 1950s when she wrote it, but into the 2010s. And so um, the same message, I, I presume, um, but a more modern look at it, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you have something you want to play here? Yeah, yeah. So this is just a... Um, a little excerpt, and it's very long, so we'll just stop it whenever, but... Um, Somebody is reading a very famous passage from the book, and we can kind of talk about it. Money is the root of all evil, said Francisco Danconia. Have you ever asked, what is the root of money? Money is a tool of exchange, which can't exist unless there are goods produced and men able to produce them. Money is the material shape of the principle that men who wish to deal with one another must deal by trade, and give value for value. Money is not the tool of the moochers who claim your product by tears or of the looters who take it from you by force. Money is made possible only by the men who produce. Is this what you consider evil? When you accept money in payment for your effort, you do so only on the conviction that you will exchange it for the product of the effort of others. It is not the moochers or the looters who give value to money. Not an ocean of tears nor all the guns in the world can transform those pieces of paper in your wallet into the bread you will need to survive tomorrow. Those pieces of paper, which should have been gold, are a token of honor. Your claim upon the energy of the men who produce. Your wallet is your statement of hope that somewhere in the world around you there are men who will not default on that moral principle, which is the root of money. Is this what you consider evil? Hmm. Have you ever looked for the root of production? 
Take a look at an electric generator and dare tell yourself that it was created by the muscular effort of unthinking brutes. Try to grow a seed of wheat without the knowledge left to you by men who had to discover it for the first time. Try to obtain your food by means of nothing but physical motions, and you'll learn that man's mind is the root of all the goods produced and of all the wealth that has ever existed on earth. But you say that money is made by the strong at the expense of the weak. What strength do you mean? It is not the strength of guns or muscles. Wealth is the product of a man's capacity to think. Then is money made by the man who invents a motor at the expense of those who did not invent it? Is money made by the intelligent at the expense of the fools? By the able at the expense of the incompetent? By the ambitious at the expense of the lazy? Money is made before it can be looted or mooched made by the effort of every honest man, each to the extent of his ability. An honest man is one who knows that he can't consume more than he has produced. Hmm. It's all interesting stuff there. Um, I read a quote about why she wrote the book. She was having a conversation with a friend of hers and basically said, what if the creators and the inventors of the world just quit? Mm -hmm. What if they just went away? Um, and that's kind of, if you watch the movies or if you can read a dense book that's a thousand pages long and get something out of it, um, you should go read the book. Um, but what I got out of it, here's what I got out of the movies. More and more power to the government to the point that the creators of things just stop, right? Things that you hear Democrats say like, well, that's settled science. You know, whenever you pose a question toward them, they just look at you dumbfounded, Kurt, and they go, well, that's settled science or well that's been debunked and they just say these things over and over again i think that's straight out of ayn rand and what i got out of it is what i've always believed that free enterprise and the private sector with limited guide rails from the government is the best way to prosperity and yet we find ourselves in just the opposite and you're surprised when you know we've got problems here okay biden and the democrats turn the formula on its head and we let them just like they did in Atlas Shrugged. We keep voting for it out of a sense of tribalism. It's like, well, you know, God, I can't stand Trump. I guess Biden's okay. And then you go to the gas pump, and it's over $4 a gallon. We're doing this to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with a lot of that. Um, and also, just real quick, um, hat tip to Robert Breedlove on uh, YouTube for the, for the video. And who yeah. is John Galt? Yeah, remind me. <laughs> I, I kind of forgot about like that whole thing. So I, I kind of remember the message and stuff, and yeah. I can comment on that. But well, what's the John Galt thing again? He's the one who's taking these creative people and the producers to another place mm. so that they can live free and do what they do. Right. And right, what's right. happening to society in general is they don't have the leaders or the creators or the inventors, and they're just kind of spinning their wheels, and they don't know what's going on. Right, right. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I used to be a lot more libertarian. I'm not so much anymore. I, 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 but I think that there's a lot of good messaging in there. You know, obviously, capitalism is the most um, prosperous and, and generative, you know, economic system that we have. And, and entrepreneurship, you know, invented, uh, inventors, you know, things like this, creatives, you know, are people who drive the economy. That's totally true. And uh, money is not the root of all evil. But I also think that money is not the root of all good. It's not inherently in itself a good thing. It's just it's a, tool. A, it's a tool that people use to create wealth and to create meaning in their lives. You know? mm. But there are things that are more important than money. Things like family, community, faith, um, country you know, are all more important than, than the market you know, right. for the market's sake. And I think pe sometimes people get lost in that where it's like, well, what's going to you know, make the most money or, or what's going to be best for, for me financially. And that is important because especially if you have a family and things like that, you want to support your family, but there are more important things than money and money 
in itself is not like an inherent good, as some people I think uh, claim that it well, is. If you watch the movies, you know, and again, it's said in modern times. Here's what kind of happens here: there's a railroad because air travel has become so expensive, nobody does it. So rail is the way you're getting everywhere, and the main rail company has an accident, and there's a derailment and all this. And then there's this steel company over here where this steel baron has come up with a brand new, um, inexpensive to produce steel that's better than steel. And she, the owner of the railroad company, buys all these rails and they put them in place. And then the government's like, I don't know, that might be a safety problem. Mm -hmm. And then that word kind of spins out to the point where the railroad basically gets ruined because the government doesn't understand all this. And it's like, well, that's capitalism. That's that's your private property. And it's like, I don't think it's safe. It's not safe. In fact, it's not safe. And it reminds me of the whole, you know, um, COVID thing. Right. That's spun out of control. You know, nobody ever had the right, you know, the answer to the question. They would just look at you dumbfounded, like, what's settled science? Yeah. Global warming, that's settled science. Yeah. And people, you know, uh, like some of our favorite commenters on Facebook coming in with their, you know, commie talking points and then not wanting to come on the podcast. You know who I'm talking about. Yep. Um, <laughs> They, well, uh, one of them will come on if we pay him, yeah. <laughs> and he has to have creative control and editorial control over everything. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No. Sorry. Uh, but, you know, they'll they'll make criticisms of our modern like society or our modern markets as if it's the fault of capitalism. And I think to some degree, maybe it is. You know, maybe there's, uh, maybe there's common ground there. But what I see is that we have, like, crony capitalism. We have partnership of the largest corporations and multinational you know, conglomerates in the world partnering with uh, basically the globalist like government narrative, you know, and then COVID is a perfect example. You had governments enforcing a, a mandate of a, a product created by giant pharmaceutical companies who received record profits mm -hmm. that they would not have if that incentive wasn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, forced into place basically you know and you could you could put uh, there's tons of examples of that i mean the the auto bailouts you know the auto industry is another great example Banking. of that with what we were talking about earlier with uh the united auto workers striking y these mandates that are coming down from the government state governments federal government on uh energy policies on electric vehicles things like that it's gumming up the works and it it, it uh artificially inflates the prices of things and it artificially, you know, uh, gummies up the, the market. So that's what we should be talking about too. But it's also true that there are, you know, capitalism in itself isn't an inherent good. There are bad incentives. You know, you have all these companies now, uh, a great example of that is like pushing the LGBT stuff, you know, with, with target, with Bud Light, with things like that. They're not being forced to do that by the government. They're making a choice as a company that this is what they want to promote, and it's just a bad choice, and they should be punished for that, you know, by people not buying their mm -hmm. stuff. So that's how it works. Well, I didn't get this far in the book, but uh, in the movies where the tipping point really happened was uh, the government put an emergency order in place where all patents reverted to the government, right? Mm. And you could not leave your job. You had to stay at your job and you had to be paid the exact same amount of money. And it just, I mean, the, the control that the government exercised in the end of that movie uh, was chilling. And, and we see some of that. And I know a lot of folks are in denial about it, but, but I think we see it. And we see it in um, uh, New Mexico. And I mentioned that to Daryl Worley uh, earlier in the podcast, where the governor is basically putting into place um, suspending the Second Amendment. You know, that's that's chilling because that's in the Constitution, and as Daryl Worley said, it's unambiguous. It's it tells it states it exactly like it is. So you know you have a right to protect yourself with a firearm, and that's why we recommend you go to Clay Como Shooters. Uh, they're great folks who will get you trained up just right, get you the right firearm that's going to fit whatever you need. Uh, they're right along um, 69 Highway in Clay Como, right between I-35 and 435 in Clay Como. You cannot miss it. They're on the web at ClayComoShooters.com. Uh, they've got firearms. They've got a great range there. They've got memberships. Training is important. They train law enforcement. In fact, uh, the guys there are former law enforcement and security, and they will train. I mean, you, you saw, and if you haven't, I recommend you go see the episode that Kurt and I shot there, because literally shot there, uh, because it was a lot of fun, and it was very informative as well. So Clay Como Shooters, shop for your firearms there. 
They'll take care of you with pistols, rifles, ammo, and accessories. Uh, they're at 816-452-4867. They're on the web at claycomoshooters.com. And make sure you tell them you heard about them right here on Dale Carter's America. Bob Watson, our state farm agent, has been serving uh, Blue Springs for five decades at 7th and Main in Blue Springs, but that's not what he's limited to. These are the days of the World Wide Web, so he is everywhere. He's licensed in both Missouri and Kansas. You can reach him at 816-229-7878. Surprisingly great rates at State Farm. You know all about Jake at State Farm, right? And you know that Patrick Mahomes is one of the um, spokesmodels, if you will, for State Farm, and he's gotten Andy Reid to be in a couple of these things. They shot this commercial, Kurt, where we're going to leave you, um, in a restaurant in Independence, Missouri. And uh, I think Andy Reid steals the show. But uh, for Bob Watson, this is for you, my friend, uh, the latest State Farm commercial. Patrick, Jake from State Farm, explain this bundling thing again. All right, Coach Reid. Let's say these fries are your car, right? And Uh-huh. And, and he eats this a fry. burger is your home. Takes okay. the burger. It can be more affordable if you bundle them together. Kind of like a combo meal. I'm like a combo meal. Mm. Explain it again with those nuggies. <laughs> Bundling. Just another way to save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That is fantastic. And if you want the best State Farm agent in this area, it's definitely Bob Watson, State Farm Insurance, 816-229-7878. Until next week, this is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalecartersamerica at gmail.com. Check back for weekly episodes. Subscribe, spread the word, and give us a five-star review. Thanks for being a part of Dale Carter's America.